Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Chad here with Iraq Veteran 8888. Today, we've got another gun gripe episode for you. We're going to be diving into the weeds of S2908, uh, also known as the Secure Firearm Storage Act. Uh, we're going to be talking about this a little bit and diving into a couple of details, some things that you guys probably need to be aware of. Uh, before we get too far into this video, I'd like to thank our friends at Arkin Optics for supporting gun gripes. Uh, they have some awesome budget-friendly tactical optic designs, great reticles. Uh, the gentleman that owns that company, uh, former Navy SEAL sniper, lots of great feedback from real-world application that he puts into his uh, optics. And uh, they're making a really great effort to put out a great product for a very fair price. And uh, I think they're doing a great job in that. If you decide to go pick up an Arkin, tell them we sent you. And uh, we really appreciate it. So we're going to dive into this a little bit here and to kind of talk about it. So on the surface, when you look at this particular bill and you start looking through a little bit of the wording and all, it, ha it they do this typical thing that mm -hmm. they always do. They want to tug at your heartstrings and they want to try to kind of think, oh, well, who wouldn't want secure firearm storage? Like they name it this ambiguous and harmless sort of thing that makes you think, oh, well, who wouldn't support that? And on the surface, sure, you would think that if the intentions were pure and if people operated within a paradigm of, let's just say, being honorable people. See, the Constitution mm -hmm. is written for honorable men and women. It's written for people, you know, that are obviously have no problem being good people, and, and it relies on goodness. Mm -hmm. And there might be some far underlying good that they're trying to accomplish, but again, in typical fashion... Uh, it tends to be the issue is the delivery and the unintended consequences that come along uh, with whatever perceived good may exist mm -hmm. in this particular situation. So we're going to kind of dive into it. And our friends at Bearing Arms, uh, I love this site. They've got great information on here, but we're just going to kind of refer to some of their bullet points here uh, to kind of give you an idea here about what it's dealing with. Yeah. And um, it's it, it's pretty far-reaching and... Uh, We'll dive into it a little bit. What do you so, think, Chad? Um, well, we, we've talked about other bills in the past that have had some sort of um, secure firearm storage uh, wording in the legislation, whether it be some sort of new assault weapons ban or just another anti-gun bill introduced in the House or the Senate. This bill focuses more on gun dealers and FFLs and such, um, but as Eric mentioned, does have some far-reaching implications, which we'll get into. But um, the big thing is, okay... They're basing this bill on criminal activity, okay? So because of criminal activity, gun dealers have to be punished, okay? Because obviously gun dealers, per anti-gunners, they are responsible for all the crime that happens out there with firearms that are stolen from their premises. You know, it's not the criminal's fault, and we've been over this in the past too. This is the kind of common mantra with these folks. But they're citing specifically... One particular firearm that was stolen out of a shop in Wisconsin that was used in 27 crimes in Chicago. Chicago is one of the worst places for crime in the entire country. Not only just crime in general, but violent crime. So, again, blaming good people, honest, hardworking people, uh, blaming them for the actions of criminals and punishing them in lieu of it. Now, what this bill would allow for is basically... Firearms retailers would have to, upon the closing of their store for the business day, they would have to lock up every single gun in the store, all right, either by 
a quarter inch steel rod through the trigger guards of all the firearms, locked with a hardened steel lock that has a shackle. Uh, the shackle has to be protected and shielded from the use of a bolt cutter. The rod has to be anchored to prevent the removal of the firearm from the premises or store in a fireproof safe or a locked vault. So we know how you walk into most gun stores and they've got you know guns on the rack, okay? And this could be a small mom and pop shop that has like 500 guns, or it could be a huge retailer that has 10,000 guns in stock. And you know, not every gun is created equal. So aligning all these guns so the trigger guards will be in in you know a, a position to be able to put a steel rod through is going to be a, a vast undertaking. And it's going to cost a significant amount of money to modify you know your your displays to accommodate that sort of security function. Um, so it's definitely a burden you know, on these retailers, for sure. Um, some stores, they just have big cages that they lock things up in. They've got cages that come down in front of their displays. That wouldn't be good enough because it wouldn't be considered a locked vault. But the bill also gives the attorney general the leeway to just say, well, you know, these storage requirements are okay, but I don't like the way you're doing things. And unless you do uh, this particular uh, storage method that I prescribe, because I have free will to decide, you know, uh, what does it say exactly? Yeah. And uh, completely not see. politically biased no, uh, not opinion, uh, of course. It's it's only just logical where will. Where is it at? Know. Of course. Where is it at? Oh, it's right, yeah, right here. Yeah. Uh, the Attorney General may, by regulation, prescribe such additional security measures as the Attorney General determines appropriate with respect to the firearms business conducted by a licensed importer, licensed manufacturer, dealer, uh, such as requirements related to the use of an alarm and security system, cameras, uh, site hardening, measures to secure any electronic record of the business inventory and firearms transactions, uh, dispositions of firearms by the licensee, and other measures necessary to reduce the risk of theft at the business premises of a licensee. So the attorney general can determine what other measures are necessary. Okay, that is opening Pandora's box right there. So is. if the attorney general tells you you've got to do this and you don't comply, then there's your license revoked just like that. All right, so I'm going to play devil's advocate on this particular one because Chad and I talked about this before we got into this gripe and everything. So I'm going to try to just make you know this make sense, hopefully, to you guys. Right? If you're a gun owner and you have a gun safe, you put your guns in a gun safe. Like that's what mm -hmm. you do. That's why you own a safe, right? You know, if you're a gun store that has ten thousand guns on the wall, yeah. It's going to be a very laborious process to take every single gun off the rack and put it in a vault. For one, if you even have a vault or lockable storage container that they mentioned that can even house 10,000 guns, then you got to do it without scratching them up mm -hmm. and ruin the, the, the ability. You know, a customer doesn't want to buy a gun that's had some thing drove through the trigger guard 500 times and it's all scratched up and marred up and messed up. Some FFLs deal on guns that are real high end. You're not going to take a cabot and put some steel rod through the freaking trigger guard. Mm -hmm. You're not going to move that cabot more than you need to. You're going to leave it in the display case where it can stay nice and clean and secure. So it is an unnecessary burden that is placed on uh, many gun dealers and everything. And I think that is the intended purpose of legislation like this is to make it so hard and arduous uh, you know, for people to engage in the business of selling firearms, uh, that they just simply don't want to do it. It's a barrier of entry that's also not obtainable to a wide variety of different people, right? So mm -hmm. now to get to the devil's advocate part, if you're an FFL and you go, all right, well, I got my display cases. I'm just going to leave my guns out overnight. I think that there is, 
some, you know, obvious, you know, commitment that we have to have to making sure that stuff doesn't get stolen. I mean, I wouldn't leave my firearms laying out in my home where someone can just break in my window and, and steal them or whatever, right? So I think that FFLs should, it, it behooves them to ensure that their inventory doesn't get stolen. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, the fact that it might wind up in the wrong hands or be used in crime, that's terrible, but that's still not directly the fault of the person engaging in the business to sell firearms. I mean, by that measure, we would say that every time a drunk driver kills somebody with a car, well, we, should, we shouldn't have car and truck dealers because some drunk driver might buy the vehicle and then go you know, use it in a crime, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't base our whole society off of whether or not someone will do something bad in a given situation or not. We're not governed by uh, regulating morality, mm-hmm. right? We're governed by laws and rules, right? So it's not that I, as an FFL holder, or Chad as an FFL holder, or whoever might have a gun business, it's not that they don't want to take it upon themselves to do what they need to do to secure their firearms, right? What this data also doesn't tell us, and we're kind of getting a little bit into the devil's advocate part as well, uh, is that, okay, while... While they are correct that many guns have been stolen from FFLs, they also don't account in this figure and give you the total picture of the data of how many burglaries have been prevented by security measures compared to that number. So they only want to show you one side of the equation and say, well, this amount of people had guns stolen from them and this amount of guns were used in crime and this amount of guns were stolen. Well, that's a terrible statistic, but, you know, it's just like, the, the mainstream media wants to tell you, oh, well, firearms are using all these crimes and, and, and gun violence epidemic. It's a thing. How many lives are saved with guns? So, see, they only tell you one side of the story. They don't tell you how many FFLs have really good security systems, concrete vaults with poured rebar and all of that mess and motion detectors and armed security guards and really, really good security measures, multi-tiered and multi-layered security measures. And when... Yes, burglaries are attempted, but they are thwarted by the security measures put in place by the FFLs. How many guns don't get stolen because FFLs do their due diligence to secure their their property accordingly? So we're not saying that people shouldn't make a genuine effort to secure their property if you're a business owner. We're not saying that. We're just saying the government shouldn't have a say in telling you what you should and shouldn't do. People should take it upon themselves to do the right thing regardless and they do, right? So this data gets, you know, kind of skewed and turned against us in a way that makes it sound super negative because you don't hear the large percentile of people that have really good storage and that haven't had guns stolen despite a burglary attempt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what this bill does is defer responsibility, you know, in the big scheme of things. Um Something that you've mentioned about I, uh, FFLs, you know, stores having... Uh, various security measures and such, a small mom-and-pop shop supporting like a local small community may not have the budget, you know, to enhance their security enough to accommodate the requirements in this bill without, you know, going through, um, I mean, without maybe even shutting the business down. Like, hey, we can't afford to, you know, do this every night and pay extra people to come in and do this because we're just a small shop. That's so right. in the big scheme of things, this bill would potentially put some shops out of business, which is the ultimate goal of anti-gunners to have less guns on the street, as they like to say. But as I mentioned, it's deferring responsibility. It is. Um, the government should not tell FFL holders 
that they have to do all this extra work to secure firearms because of the actions of criminals. So if this bill were to pass, okay, and this became the law of the land, okay, what happens when all these security measures are taken taking place, okay, and there's another smash and grab, okay, as they like to call it in this bill, smash and grab, uh, which does happen. I mean, criminals will drive a truck through a brick wall and run in, grab all these guns, and leave. So a hardened steel rod can easily be cut with a grinder. You know, battery-powered grinder can cut through that crap lickety-split. No problems. And then those guns are coming off the shelves. So what happens when that happens? You know, and then, okay, we have to blame the gun dealers for this action of criminals again, and now we have to harden these security measures even more. Yep. So then it's even more restrictive. You give an inch... They take a mile, like we always say. Yep. This is just the beginning and the tip of the iceberg. I so, mean, a couple of things. Go ahead. All right. Yep. If they get their way on this bill, you know they're going to stonewall something through on the civilian, on the yep. private sector as well. Absolutely. So, you give them that inch, they're going to go, well, if the gun dealers bent over and took it, well, then we'll just do it to Joe Blow America and we'll make it really hard for the average person to become a gun owner. That's another thing. Also, if we're being logically consistent with ourselves and logically consistent as lawmakers, right? Well, I'm not a lawmaker, but I do influence things a bit, though, you know, and you guys get mm-hmm. active and you get in your communities and you call these people and, and you donate mm-hmm. to FPC and GOA. Like, you guys put in great work and we're kind of a little tiny, little tiny microcosm of that. But if we're being logically consistent with the lawmaking process, we have to look at the data. Science doesn't have bias, right? You can't look at the facts and go, well, I don't like the way these facts look because they don't present the argument that I want to put forth and what I'm trying to accomplish in this bill. Well, well, guess what? You know, you have to look at it under the lens of logic, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't say, well, this many firearms are stolen and this many businesses are broken into and then this many of those guns is used in crime. Well, that's only the side of the Mm -hmm. equation you're wanting to show, If we're going to be logically consistent, we have to look at the totality of gun shops that don't have things stolen when they're broken into. Statistical analysis. Statistical analysis. That's correct. But that's the problem, Mm -hmm. is these folks, they they don't possess the lens of logic. They only care about emotion and and using emotional response, which honestly is is one of the most honest human, uh, you know, Feelings, the honest human emotion that we have, like emotion is a very human attribute, right? And we're very guilty of using our emotions to make decision and and letting logic go out the door, right? Like we do crazy things for love and hate and passion and all these things, right? So human beings, generally, the way we're organized is to think rather emotionally and with our feelings. And and it, it is natural to not want to think logically about things that you have an emotional attachment to. And... You know, I understand why someone would look at this bill as a lawmaker and go, well, what's so bad about that? Right. It makes sense because they package it in this little Pandora's box with a little pink ribbon on it. Oh, look at this. This is nice. I'm going to open this up. Mm -hmm. But you don't you have to look at all of the potential connotations that come along with supporting a piece of legislation. And I can't rightly say, you know, that Republicans or Democrats uh, are capable of using the lens of logic when necessary. I mean, very few on both sides of the political aisle possess the the true tact and commitment that it takes to logically analyze a situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, all right, 
the Republicans don't deserve Thomas Massey, just like the Democrats don't deserve Joe Manchin or Gabby Tulsa, right? So Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. I'm sorry. I I always get her name backwards because I think of that other lady. That's don't the, worry. Uh, who's the other lady that's the mega anti-gunner? What's her name? Hmm? She's got a similar name to the lady in Hawaii. What's her name? Anyway, hmm. I I get those I two remember. ladies mixed up. But yes, the that lady Tulsi. <laughs> she's really cool, you know. But but like the Democrats don't deserve her. You know what I mean? And and that's what's so weird about it. like she's almost there. Just like Manchin's almost there. Just like Massey is so red pilled <laughs> that like the Republicans hate him. Right? So when you look at the totality of just how our government works and how bills are passed and these people smooge each other and elbow rub and go to parties together and mm-hmm. when they're alone and there's no cameras, it's just mm-hmm. business as usual and they're all buddy buddy. So you have to remove the political bias from the situation and start looking at people as people Mm -hmm. and looking at policy and the way they vote on policy on an individual basis. You can't just look at, you know, the letter next to their name. You don't, you can't vote on party lines. Like, so that's what's so scary about the way legislation is being proposed and voted on in today's current climate when it it comes to just politically the way Mm -hmm. things are going. It's just that you can't honestly really trust anyone unless you've really vetted uh, their policies that they voted on. And like Massey even says, hey, we want a recorded vote. How hard is it to just go on record and have a recorded vote? No pork, no pull crap, no slush funds, no black projects, none of that crap. It's like, here's a piece of legislation. This is it. That's it. Let's vote on this and let's have a recorded vote. So many of them are scared of that prospect so much. They want to throw all this pork and put everything in a giant mixing pot so they can go, oh, well, that's not the portion of this bill I supported. I wanted the 90% of this bill, but that 10%, gosh, you know, well, you know what? We ate that 10% in the pot because we had to get the 90%. Wrong answer. Because if 10 pieces of legislation get voted on and you accepted the 10% pork you didn't want, that equals 100% eventually. So that's uh, that's how we got the Hughes Amendment attached to the Firearms Owners Protection Act back in the 80s. Yeah. That's why... Newly manufactured machine guns are not available for civilian purchase under the NFA these days. Guys, look, they're yeah. all vile. So look, um, all of them. Some of you guys have said, "Man, y'all need to shorten these gun gripes up." You know, I mean, just get to the point, right? So here's the point: <clears throat> Secure Act, bad. Follow link below. Donate if you can. Donate if you can. That's right. Make voice heard. Mm. I think we cut. Co- we kind of covered everything we need to cover in this one. <laughs> Uh, is there anything else in no, here? No, man. That's I mean, pretty much it. So, it, it, same thing we always talk about, guys. I mean, you know, you give an inch, they take a mile. And, you know, you've got to hold everybody accountable. I mean, Republicans, Democrats, hold on, you've got to make sure that your voices are heard, you know, from all sides of the aisle. Um, I, I just wish that more representatives would would not get into the party game so much because there's plenty of Republicans that I don't like. There's plenty of conservatives I don't like these days. And there's many, many Democrats that I do agree with some of their policies, just not when it comes to guns. Agreed. You know, I think most of America is more moderate than you know, most people would want to believe. And everything is about dividing us up, you know. So since so. we did reference this particular uh, article from Bearing Arms, I'm just going to quickly. So John Petrolino, Petrolino, Petrolino. Petrolino. All right. So John wrote this article. Um, right. He provided a couple of little bullet points of his own. I'd like to just share those since we did reference this article. Ahead. I'm just going to quickly. Uh, so 
at the end, he sort of offered a little bit of an explanation to say, well, all right, here's what he thinks uh, in relation to this subject. I'm just going to go ahead and quote him on this because, you know, we just want to give credit where it's due. So he said, so, number one, you're blaming Illinois, Chicago's problems on the other states. Deflect responsibility. You use the phrase gun safety laws. This is code to get the commie mommies <laughs> all riled up to support you. All right, number three. Okay, you do address this to stop smashing grabs. Kudos for remaining on topic. Again, earlier when I played devil's advocate, I had not read his opinion, but I shared that simple opinion that mm-hmm. someone should take the effort to secure their business. That's just common sense. But again, I don't want the government telling me what I should or shouldn't do. That's where I have the issue. All right, number four. He used the phrase common sense measure, another phrase to elicit tingly feelings in civil rights hating Americans. Again, feel good legislation. Mm-hmm. Who would not vote for this, right? That's a simple mm-hmm. idea. Number five. And you link guns to bloodshed in your neighborhoods rather than criminals. How about, again, taking responsibility mm-hmm. for this? So, Again, uh, we may not have mentioned this directly, but totally a valid point. If criminals are committing crimes, you stop the criminals, right? You you stop them doing what they're doing, where they're doing it, and how they're doing it. You you look at all of the connotations that go into why the all the above is happening, right? Mm-hmm. So if you stop it at the source, you don't extinguish the fire next to the fire. If you need to put the fire out, you extinguish it at the bottom and it goes out. Yeah, but see the source though. All right, depending on who you're talking to, the source is either Okay, the criminal who committed the act, or the source is the gun that a manufacturer created and put on the street. The Secure Act probably won't get anywhere, but nonetheless, it's another threat designed to hack away at anything Second Amendment related, of course. Uh, This is a dance in the blood of Chicago residents that in reality has bad policy and politics to blame, not firearms. That is 100% correct. Uh, The Anti-Freedom Caucus... Caucus. 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 May not be able to outright ban all firearms, even though they're sure as heck still try, but they're going to try to regulate it into oblivion. We'll be watching this bill as it progresses in Congress. All right, so uh, excellent Easy. points there, uh, there, John. That's awesome. So, guys, you know, contact your reps. Do all the usual stuff. Make sure you're talking to people, <laughs> spreading the word on this. Make sure people know about it. You know, donate to FPC, GOA when you can. You know, all of your advocacy groups that you support, support mm-hmm. them. Do what you can. Make sure they know that you know, mm-hmm. right? Even contact your advocacy groups like FPC, GOA, whoever. Let them know that this is important to you and that mm-hmm. you want to see this. And honestly, I would contact the NSSF as well. And make sure that they have their ear to the ground on this. Because this affects the firearms industry. So the NSSF should be on point with this. We shouldn't have to make this video. The NSSF should be putting out media bulletin after media bulletin about this sort of stuff. So that people can get involved and get everybody, you know, fired up about it. So Mm. Follow the link below. Talk to reps. (laughs) Secure Firearms Act. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thanks for watching, y'all. Appreciate it. Uh, many more gun gripes on the way, and uh, mm. I know sometimes I get long-winded. It's me. Chad, angry. Chad, not long-winded. Mm. Me, long-winded. Me, happy, me unhappy. Why, why are, are we cavemen? Yes. Mm. Or, or no, we're Indians. We're gun owners. We're native. Oh, God. All right, well, mm. all right, yeah, we're, mm. we're cavemen. Oh. Ah, well. So, thanks very much for watching. A uh, big thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. Also, go over on Ballistic Inc. Pick yourself up as an Azzy t-shirt. Mm. Those oh. funds go oh. right back to supporting our channel. Oh, oh. T-shirt. Very good. Good. Very good. All right. Uh, Really appreciate the support. Many more videos on the way. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. And I'm going to give Chad more coffee. Coffee. Good. Mm.